Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson-Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast, and today I have a guest that I am really interested in learning more about, and his name is Mike Ganino, and uh, I'm excited because he's going to be sharing his journey today of how he wrote a book and then became the authority uh, because of it. So I'm like, oh, I've got to have this person on the show. And I know you guys are going to learn a lot about uh, that transition. So, you know, your spotlight is ready. It's time to speak up. We each have a message waiting to be shared. And, you know, it's not about the scripts or the memorization or worrying about what to do with your hands. It's about breaking the fourth wall and connecting with the people in your audience. So imagine being so confident in your unique assets that you create hashtag mic drop moments every time you speak up. Now, whether it's interviews, stages, or media, you have your pick of opportunities because you've developed a captivating personal story. Now, also imagine being able to create a business that allows your truth to resonate and be your differentiator instead of hiding your story power. So if these sound like dream scenarios, it's not out of reach for you. And our speaker today can help. Mike Ganino is a storytelling and communication expert. He's an author, the executive producer of TEDx Cambridge, and has been named a top 30 culture speaker by Global Guru. Now he teaches storytelling, presence, and public speaking to some of the biggest names and brands. And in addition to his track record as an executive in the hotel, restaurant, retail, and tech industries, Mike's worked with organizations like the American Marketing Association and Uber. So welcome so much to the show, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I always laugh, Kim, because those, you know, when you get on stage or you go on a podcast and, and you have your bio, we're all supposed to sit there so humbly like, wow, that's so kind of you. But everyone knows you <laughs> kind of wrote it yourself too. So thank you for saying the kind words about me. Well, thank you for writing such kind words about yourself. It makes it easy for me to introduce you. <laughs> so, Mike, tell us a little bit about your story. So you were just sharing before we went on about how your book, Company Cultures for Dummies, really changed your business. And I'm super interested to hear that story. Yeah, I you know, spent most of my 20s, I, I originally wanted to be an actor. And so I was studying acting and I went into the world of improvisational theater with Second City and Improv Olympic and Upright Citizen, all the places that you can go and study and, and learn. And I was in Chicago and 
like a lot of actors, you end up <laughs> needing to have a day job, a real job, if you will. And so I was working in the restaurant industry and ended up being really successful there. I became a director of training for a big growing company from, I was there from seven locations to 200 plus. I ended up running other organizations from HR perspectives and leadership perspectives, and then eventually was a partner in a concept that I helped grow and then sell. And after that, it was kind of like, what do, you, what do I do now? And I started uh, just offering free ideas to people about like how to grow your business. Really, the story is that I was having one too many glasses of wine and uh, someone was talking about taking his juice company outside of just a couple of locations. And I was, you know, saying, well, you got to do this and you got to get this figured out. And so he reached out and said, oh, will you do consulting? And I was like, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Why not? And I had to figure out and Googling like how to be a consultant. And so I had more stories like that that led me to really working with organizations around how leaders in the organization show up and how that impacts the company culture. Yes. And I was speaking on that. I was out there speaking on stages, bringing all of the ideas I learned from being a performer and an actor to creating engaging presentations. Mm -hmm. And the, I was lucky. I'd been out there teaching this for a while. I had simple little practical ways of doing it, getting attention. And someone that I had worked with, the folks that published the Dummy series, Wiley, they reached out and said, hey, do you know anyone who could do a book on X topic? And he said, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not interested, but maybe talk to, to this guy, Mike. And the topic wasn't right for me. I was like, eh, I don't yeah. really want to build a brand on that. But um, I noticed you don't have a book called this, you know, company culture is a huge hot topic right now and you don't have a book on it. So I could write that book in my sleep. And here's why it's important. I've got the facts. Here's why it needs to be published. Here's why it's important. Here's all the things. Here's the search terms. And so they said, yes. And I was, I was surprised. I thought like, oh, you know, little old me going to write a book. And uh, they said, yes. And so once the book was published, I saw a huge difference in uh, the spots I was getting at events as a speaker, the podcasts I was being asked to be on, um, like author to authority and other shows. I was getting invited to be on more shows as an expert. I was getting on media. I was being interviewed for, um, for magazines and online uh, newspapers because I was seen as the expert, which of course, all of that exposure helps you raise your speaking rates, uh, get in front of more interesting clients. And so the book really did help me go from, you know, unknown authority to author to like full-blown authority. Now, you talked about like being on all these things. So was it a situation where you were applying to be on these things and because you were an author, you were accepted easier? Or was it all of it was coming to you or was it a combination of both? Uh, probably a combination of both. I will say that before the book, I definitely was usually the one reaching out to get a spot uh, after the book. And the other thing about this book is like when you go to Amazon, it has great SEO. I mean, that's yep. one of the things I, I, I really realized was like, oh, when you type in company culture on Amazon, I always show up because the title isn't ambiguous. It's not like, you know, it's, it says exactly what it is. And so I think when and journalists- And it's a four dummies book. Yeah, yeah. So it has great, you know, the company has great uh, deep roots on the internet. And so I, I think that people, when they went to type in this, you know, because this is the thing I always say is that journalists are, are busy and they don't have time to search out, like, let me find all the experts on the topic. They want to look up and say, who's the first credible person I can find? And so for me, the book really did that. And I think that a lot of people reached out to me because it was really easy to find me. It was, mm. look, they let this guy write a book. 
he's listed as a top 30 culture guru. Cool. Stop looking and call him versus digging deeper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That is really cool. (laughs) So would you say that, that writing that book really also helped you to clarify things about what, about your brand, about your marketing, about your messaging, those types of things? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I realized that I didn't, I wanted to make the move from kind of being like an HR speaker, like a person who came in with like seven ideas and four tricks and nine hacks and all of that. And I really wanted to, what I really realized was that at the end of the day, the company culture was about the stories we believed. Mm -hmm. What do we believe about work? What are the stories we tell ourselves about um, opportunity? What are the stories we tell ourselves about, about, um, race, about gender, and how those things really impact work, and how we show up as leaders, as individuals, really mattered. And so I thought, how much freedom am I going to have to write the book the way I want, where mm-hmm. it's not full of a bunch of like nine hacks and seven tips and how to set up your HR system. It's full of stories about, uh, about how to get clear on the stories behind work. And yeah. so for me, that process really helped writing the book, helped me really codify what mm-hmm. I believed. Um, It helped me test some of the ideas I had been training or speaking about, but really put it in and say, can I write a whole chapter on this with like how to actually get control over your story? And so it definitely helped me to clarify my own thinking. And I'm sure you see this with a lot of the authors you work with of like writing the book Mm -hmm. forces you to make decisions about what you really mean. Yes. And that happened to me for sure. Yeah. You know, and it comes down to a lot of the, the three things I talk about. It's who are you, who do you serve, and how do you serve them? Mm. Right? And when you can answer those three questions, that's a great starting place for your book. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting, too, to say, you know, those three questions and then say, great. So if those are the three things, then, then what needs to go into the book to help deliver on that? How do I make sure I show up my personality so that, I mean, this is one of the things that I talk about all the time when I talk to clients that I'm helping who are authors a lot of times, and they've been hired to go speak on their book for an event or for a company, or they realize that the book was a great way to to highlight them as an authority now, and now they want to get paid for speaking gigs or for workshops Mm. or for online courses. And so I help them take the book from book to full-blown idea. And one of the things I say all the time is, we got to make sure that the person who wrote the book is the person who shows up in the room because yeah, yep. if the book sounds fun and playful and then you show up really serious, that's, uh, you're going to be limited. And mm-hmm. so that's such a big part of it. I love that you teach that of like, who are you? It's such a great, great thing because uh, you definitely don't want to confuse the buyer. Well, you know, I'm, I'm writing my current, my, my newest book, it's called Author to Authority. And um, one of the six key areas that we um, talk about is your, um, your communication skills. So how do you marry your voice and your writing abilities? Because everyone is stronger in one or the other. But if you want to become the authority, you have to be strong in both. I love that. Because if someone sees you and you speak well, and then they get an email from you and it's atrocious. <laughs> and, and I'm not just talking grammar, okay? 
I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there to help you with grammar and editors and that. But, you know, how do you convey your voice so it's consistent, both spoken in and writing? Yeah. And how do you, how do you make sure that, like, like you're saying in the email, the grammar can be fixed and, and the rules around what's appropriate and not appropriate are changing all the time. But how do you make sure that you're writing an email, an idea, an article that is really founded and makes sense and the reader can follow? Because that's such an important part of like, it's not just about writing a book or writing an email or writing an article. It's about doing it in a way that someone can follow. And it's the same with yeah. speaking. You have to speak in a way that your audience can follow along. And, and that's our job to figure that out. That's our job as the, the leaders, really, the, the authorities to figure that out. And I, I want to transition a bit because, you know, your, your specialty is storytelling. And I think that is a key component in knowing who you are. You know, what's the story that you share? I mean, I have lots of stories I share, and sometimes I just share stories for fun. Um, I do a fair amount of public speaking, and um, sometimes when I begin a speech, especially if I'm talking about a little bit of my story and my dad and, you know, how my mom had died, um, I tell some of the funny stories, like the time that we ran out of dishwashing powder and I used like a third of a bottle of liquid dishwashing soap, and you can imagine what happened to the dishwasher or... Uh, <laughs> Or the time a cat got into our apartment and my sister and I were trying to get it out before our dad got home because we knew we'd be in trouble and we couldn't get this cat out. So we decided to stink it out by covering most of the house in garlic powder. So, you know, I have those funny stories, but, you know, <laughs> uh, I love telling the core story about the power of words and how, mm. you know, at age seven, I was told I shouldn't write because I wasn't a good writer and how I carried those words for 30 years. And I finally had to let those words go and learn a new type of words for my life. Hmm. It's interesting how, you know, uh, there's this great T.S. Eliot quote that I'm going to mess up, but it's essentially something of like, how sad to have had an experience and not pulled meaning from it because that's really where the stories come from. Like, yes. and, and I posted recently on Instagram and I said, your, your story is not your history. Mm. What happened to you is not who you are. What happened yeah. to you is not, um, what happened to you is not even your experience. They're mm. just facts about what happened. And we get to decide um, sometimes in the moment and sometimes yeah. when we look back, we get to decide what they mean. And that's one of the things I think is really powerful as an authority mm -hmm. is, you know, anyone these days can, can set up a website, uh, can put up videos on YouTube. It's, it's easier than ever to start a podcast. All yeah. of those things are true. And so I think that the voices that are going to resonate and, then, mm -hmm. and the voices that are resonating really are the ones who are really good at looking at the experiences they've had mm -hmm. and the experiences that we're, we're collectively having and adding meaning to them. Because we don't need sure. anyone else to just tell us facts. We can, I mean, we're all search engines in our hand all day long. We can look up anything we want. And I always say this, you know, you know how like at um, bars and restaurants, they'll do those trivia nights. Yes. Where it's like, oh, come and play trivia. And they don't allow you to use your phone because you can literally find anything within seconds. Like, yes. We don't need more information. What we need is more meaning. And it's telling yeah. stories like the one you just shared with us, Kim, that 
that highlight that. And that's how we become, I think those are really part of how we become an authority. Again, it goes back to knowing who you are. Yeah. So Mike, why don't you share with us? I know that you, you've got some really great um, tips and advice on, on storytelling in your business. So I'm going to let you lose for a few minutes to, <laughs> yeah. to share on that. Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing, and this is where I think sometimes people do get, um, do get anxious or nervous or uncomfortable at using storytelling in a business sense or in a business mm -hmm. speech or on a business podcast or as a leader. And I, and I teach storytelling skills to big sales teams, to leaders, to executives. I, I do that as well as helping them prep for a speech or something they're doing. I help them figure mm -hmm. it out. And so the, the reality is that, that the story doesn't have to be super colorful. We don't need, oh. when we're telling a business story, we don't need to say, I walked into the room and I could see the light shining through the window onto the desk. And it's like, wait, I'm just asking about last quarter. Like, I don't need a dramatic reenactment here. We don't need to do- this epic moment. <laughs> right. We don't need an interpretive dance to help us understand the data. And so what I talk about when I teach business storytelling, and I do think as, as entrepreneurs, as coaches, as authors, we should be able to tell five specific business stories. I'll tell you what those are. But in a business sense, the number one place to look at is say, where am I making outside of my personal story that I'm sharing for, for, for whatever reason, when I'm telling business stories, then I always say, don't start with the, the information. Don't start with the, the, all of that. Start with the insight. What is the insight? I'm hoping that at the end of it, the person will say, wow, so that's why X, Y, Z. That's why it's important that we pay attention to uh, the needs of people in this community or whatever the case is. So yeah. I think you have to start with the insight yes. and then you look backwards and say, okay, what story is going to deliver that? And so by insight, I specifically mean like, think of that story of the tortoise and the hare. You remember mm -hmm. this fable that we learned and the insight of that story is slow and steady wins the race. That's the yes. insight. Then they've weaved an entire narrative to help us understand that. So that's what I think a great business story has to be is mm -hmm. it has to have a, a business point and insight that's yeah. helpful to the audience. And I think people get lost on that sometimes because they're like, oh, I'm telling a story and like, you know, there was this happening and that happening. And it's like, wait, what is the point of this? You're wasting our time. So yeah. I think that, and then I think there's five stories we have to be able to tell. I wrote this, I have this like free download on my website that people can get at mikeandino.com slash story craft slash story craft. And what it does is it helps you it gives you prompts to tell these five business stories. The first is a story about you. And when I say a story about you, I don't mean like, tell me about yourself. And then you just ramble on like chronologically from birth to this moment. <laughs> I mean, tell me a story about you that highlights something I need to know. Yeah. So in the instance of being asked that in an interview, tell us about yourself. Well, you need to tell us about yourself to make it relevant to that person. So you can't just have one story about you. You need to be able to have several to yeah. show what you want to show. So stories about you. We need to have um, stories about uh, how, like how things happen, how the world works. This is like um, your values. And a lot of times when people talk about their values, they make it sound like a Webster's dictionary definition. So they'll say something like, um, I believe in customer service, doing more than anyone else has ever done before for my customers. I don't know about you, Kim, but I've heard that from a lot of people that didn't treat me very well as a customer. 
what would be more meaningful to me and trust would make me trust you is if you told me a story that clearly showed how you went out of your way for, for your customers. Then I would say, oh, I actually, I kind of believe you there. Um, I think that in addition to those, we need to tell stories about why. Why do you do what you do? Why did you get into it? And I say there to look for the WTF moments, the, the, the what the uh, moments where you looked around and said, wait a second, someone's got to do something about this. Like I'd imagine you have a great- <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I'm gonna keep it clean for you. Um, and so we have to tell those stories. We have to tell the fourth story is a story about where. Where are we today? And where do you want to take us? We need to be able to highlight those with stories. And then finally, we need to be able to tell as business owners, as authorities, we need to tell stories about the unspoken thoughts of our audience. So what is our audience thinking? So when I'm teaching about storytelling, I know that there might be some people in the audience who think it's fluffy, who think, well, I'm a legitimate business person. I'm a scientist. I was working with scientists uh, last year, research scientists on storytelling. And um, I know that. So why don't I include a story in my content that slaps that objection without me ever having to fight with them about it? And so those are the five stories I think we need to tell. So this guide that I, that I shared with you has those five stories. And then it also has uh, like how to tell them, how to make sure like you're not just boring people and you're actually doing your job with the story. And I, and I think it's prudent that we as, as authors who have become authorities become masters of those stories because we're going to get opportunities to be interviewed by people like Kim. They're going to have us on their show and in our job there is to show up and support our content with the great stories that we've had. And, and I think that's ultimately the key to, to making the book that you've written a success as an authority is really being able to tell the story of it. Yeah, and one thing I've kind of learned, um, especially through a lot of the speaking that I've done is, you really wanna be able to tell your core story um, in a professional setting in about that five to seven minute range. <laughs> You know, so you've got to be able to introduce the subject. You've got to be able to tell the story, get out the main points, you know, and conclude it nicely in that five to seven minutes. And, and that's a real process of narrowing down what is the key elements. So, you know, like I've got different variations and I've got, I've got a really nice one I do in about 10 minutes when, you know, I've got that little bit of extra time, but in a, in a pinch, I can bring it down to five to seven minutes and still you get the message of my story. Yeah. And it's great if you, if you look at, if you, and, and a fun exercise that I do with, with um, clients and students of mine is we look at, we, I have them pick several of their favorite shows or movies. And we say, great. So we're talking about uh, The Wizard of Oz. We're talking about Beauty and the Beast. How would you turn, how would you deliver that in one minute? And it's ultimately, when we think about a story, a story is about what was going on, something changed, and then there's a new world. And if you can tell that quickly, I mean, how great is that? And to have different um, versions. Last year, last year, yeah, last year I was speaking in Las Vegas, and I was the closing keynote speaker. Ooh. But it was a full day of executive speaking. Yes. And they hadn't hired me to help them with their speeches. So <laughs> they just talked and talked and talked. And we had union rules and the company had a concert to get to, um, like a big star concert to get to with all the employees with a thousand people there. 
And so they had to be out of the room. We had to be, off, I had to be off of that stage at a time. We went all the way until the hour long speech that they paid me for was 10 minutes. I had 10 minutes to deliver an hour long speech. So you really do, I think as an authority, you have to be able to say, my job is not to deliver a full book of content and I can only do it then. My job is like Dr. Seuss. Can you do it in a box? Can you do it with socks? Can you do it with a fox? Can you do it? Uh, you know, you have to be able to do that. And so I think you're exactly right in having those versions, Kim, is so critical. Yeah. Yeah, like if my one minute story would be, I was told by a teacher at age seven that I should not write. And I carried those words with me for 30 years. And I did not write the words that were in my heart. But it hit a point, I hit a crossroads where I had to let those words go forgive the teacher that had said to me. And that began my writing journey, which led me to own, owning a publishing company. I love that. What was the crossroads? What was that moment? I, I had an opportunity to get a website. I was an entrepreneur. I loved to teach, loved to train. And I had always wanted to have a website. And back in 2011, you could do websites by yourself, but it was still pretty hard. And my mentor at the time uh, had a special deal where he would set up your website for you. Mm. And I was like, so super excited. And I get this email from him saying, okay, it's almost set up. We need to set up your blog. And so I email him back, what's your blog? I had no clue. <laughs> and he said, well, you write articles. I don't remember what the rest of that email said. Because as soon as I saw that the words went through my head, I'm not a good writer. I should not write. Mm. And I had to decide, was I going to go forward with this website or was I just going to drop it? Wow. And I had to do a whole lot of soul searching, a whole lot of thinking back and realizing I was no longer that seven-year-old little girl. Wow. And maybe I was not the best writer on the face of the earth, but I always did decently good. Like I always got honors marks in English, right? So, <laughs> you know, maybe I wouldn't be the best writer, but I'm sure I can write something. Right. And, you know, maybe I'm not a great writer, but I can learn to get to be better. Yeah. And so it took me three days and about 50 pieces of crumpled paper because back then <laughs> I wrote everything out by hand and then typed it in. And, you know, I had a one page blog post, maybe it was maybe three, 400 words tops, right? Because like, you know, I'm writing on lined paper here, right? Yeah. And uh, I posted it. And I got up enough courage to, to ask a couple of people to read it. And they really liked it. They felt it was helping them. Uh, it encouraged them, you know, it, it taught them a skill. So, you know, that was all I needed. And I, I just kept writing it from then to books. And then uh, started ghostwriting in 2015 and formed the publishing company in 2016. I love that. I love that. I always say uh, to the folks that I'm working with of like, if you have experiences that if we can give them meaning mm -hmm. could change something for someone else, then who are you to not go out there and help them? And it's the same exactly. way that you're saying when you started writing the blog, you got that feedback of like, wow, this is useful, helpful. And, and I would imagine that that was really encouraging of like, ooh, this is, this is slowly helping me rewrite my story yeah. about not being a good writer because whether I'm a good writer or not doesn't matter because look at these people who I'm helping. How cool exactly. is that? 
exactly. So and, cool. you know, once I started writing and people started really liking it, um, you know, that, that showed me that, yeah, I wasn't that same person anymore. And, mm. and the truth is I never was that person to begin with. Um, right. The reason the teacher told me that was she was my first real female teacher and having lost my mom, she became like an adopted mom to me. Mm-hmm. And she was very young, but I emotionally overwhelmed this poor woman. And because it wasn't just everything I wrote to her, because I was writing to her day, 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 like stories every single day. You know, I was handing her, you know, 10, 15 pages a day, wanting her to read it, wanting her to tell me how good I was, you know. But I mean, I would go home at night and dream that she was going to marry my dad and she was going to come w- live with us and she was going to be my mom, right? And when I look back at pictures, she was young. Like, I think she was only in her early 20s. I don't even know if she was married or had kids of her own. And I can tell you for a fact, in the late 60s, early 70s, they did not have courses in teacher's college on how to deal with seven-year-old grieving little girls. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I looked back and all that, I realized I had a part to play in her saying those words. And she wasn't saying those words because she meant them. She was saying those words because she didn't know how to deal with me emotionally. Yeah. And isn't it amazing to think of how, how much, if we look at our experiences, if we, re, if we look at the meaning from another angle, mm-hmm. how much of what we think happened maybe was a little bit different. And, and we can write a new meaning for that. And that's really your story, not your history. Yeah. I love that. You know, so I was able, I, I chose to forgive her. I mean, she should never have said those words. Those were not the right words to say. But I forgave her. And I choose to let those words go and I choose to move forward and I choose to become the extraordinary word ninja who loves words. <laughs> so great. It's a new story you get to write. I would say if we, if we, I posted this on Instagram the other day too, that if the pen is still in our hand, the story's not over. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> so what would be, because uh, we want to get to talking a little bit more about your book, but what would be one place where you would suggest somebody would start if they're trying to think of that first story, the story about them? I think the, um, I think in a business sense, right? It's different. Yes. I think if we're talking about like personal growth, but in a business sense, the, the, the thing is, is that we can't just have one story about us. Mm-hmm. I think what we have to think about is, and maybe there's a few, maybe there's one for, hey, when I meet people, when I network with people, what's the right story to tell there? When I am um, further along in the sales process, say you're sa- selling a coaching program or something, what is the right story there? When I'm on a podcast, mm-hmm. what is the right story there? And, and it changes because we have to keep in mind the audience is different. Yes. What the audience needs from us is different each time. So that's where if I was, if I was uh, interviewing someone to be part of my, I have like a four month coaching program that I do like one-on-one with people for four months. We work together to, to really define their, their positions, their platform, their presence, and then package it all so they can go out and really launch a speaking career. Yes. And so when I'm on the phone with someone talking to them about that, I realized that the story I need to tell there is a story about how I was in their place. And 
if I feel like the person is like, oh, I don't know if I trust you, then I need to tell a story about how I've done the right thing before. And so that's the tricky thing when we think about stories about us that we want to tell is that we can't just have one. We yeah. need to have several that highlight what we're trying to highlight to the other person, yes. um, which I think is also fun because then you don't have to just be boxed into some like rehearsed script that you wrote about yourself. You have an option to change it and twist it. For example, I was on, I'm on your podcast, Author to Authority. Mm -hmm. So when we were doing the introduction and you said, hey, tell us more about your story. I focused on how I became an author and then became, went from author to authority. If I was on a show about, um, about creatives who went into business, I would change it and I would talk more about my experiences as an actor and how I leveraged my skills as an actor in the restaurant industry. And so I have to change my story because the audience needs something different for me. And so that's where I would start, honestly. Um, in addition to like the prompts um, that I have in that little guide, I would think about what are the key audiences that I'm addressing and what do I need them to know about me? And now I can go find a story to highlight that. Yeah. yeah. So I just have one question with you um, in terms of your book. Yeah. What was the hardest part about writing it? <laughs> oh my gosh. The hardest part about writing it was not, <laughs> my joking answer was uh, all the times where I mostly was not writing it. <laughs> so I would go, I was like, I was, I was in these author groups and it was like such a funny thing of people being like the, um, the, uh, I'm writing a book actually means I'm not actually writing a book. I'm just talking about not writing a book a lot. <laughs> um, what, you know, what I think was really hard for me actually was the, oh, I really love deadlines. And so I was a little bit late with my due dates to hit. I specifically wanted it to hit the market. Um, in April versus like October, those were the two big times they hit. I wanted it in April so that I could use it for the fall speaking gigs because I would sell books as part of an add-on to speaking yeah. gigs. And if it came on, out in October, it was a little bit too late for that, for that time. So I wanted to hit that. And I had really hard deadlines. So those helped me do the initial writing. What was really hard was that once I wrote it, I kind of felt done with it in a way. That's kind of my personality. And so then when they came back with like, oh, here are the notes from the editors, I like really didn't want to, not that I was, I didn't care what they said. I didn't, I wasn't worried about like my fragile ego and what they were saying about my words. I just was like bored of it. I was like, I already wrote 370 pages. I don't want to read it again. <laughs> so I don't want to read through your notes and have to rethink this. Like I'm good. And that was probably really hard was the second and third round of edits and reading them, approving them, fixing them because I just didn't want to read it again. That was, if I'm being honest, that was the hardest part for me. <laughs> so Mike, tell us again about your free offer and how can people connect with you? Yeah, of course. I'm easy to find. I mean, the great thing about a name like Mike Ganino is once you figure out how to spell it, and it's G-A-N-I-N-O, once you figure out how to spell it, I'm kind of the one you're going to find on the internet. So if you type Mike Ganino onto the internet, you're probably going to end up finding me somewhere on my pod. I have a podcast called the Mike Drop Moment, all about speaking and storytelling. Um, the, you know, you might get the Amazon book link, but you'll find me and you'll get me. But you can go to MikeGanino.com slash storycraft, which is where you get that free guide. It's like 15 or 20 pages. And it really walks you through prompts like exercises. It's not a book to read. It is a working 
document for you. Um, and if you're working with other people, let's say you're going through a rebrand or something, you're redoing your website and you want to rethink how you communicate who you are. It's great prompts to work through with your creative team as well. So it's, um, it's, you know, got those five stories. Each of those stories comes with a set of prompts and then it gives you a couple of models for how to actually tell the story so that it achieves your business goal as an author, as an authority. And it's been really fun. It's been, I've gotten some feedback even last year from a, a woman who hired me to speak for a big association. She downloaded the book, had it on her desk and her son was applying to college. Uh, he was getting ready to go to college and he looked through it and he said, oh, this is actually really, this is how I need to talk about myself when I'm applying to colleges. And so he used it to help him write his college admission essays. So that was kind of like one of my favorite stories of someone using it because it was not how it was intended to be used, yes. but it worked because it helped him define his story. That is so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for being on the show. This has been Mike Ganino and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift for you. I'd like to invite you to download a sample of my newest book, Author to Authority, coming out this year. If you enjoy the podcast, you will enjoy learning how becoming an author can change not only your life, but your business as well. Go to www dot author to authority dot com forward slash free dash sample so that is www dot author to authority dot com forward slash free sample have a great day and stay safe <laughs>